Hello and welcome to The Word is Out, a mission-centric podcast featuring Dr. Alan Meenan, pastor and preacher and teacher of God's Word for over 40 years, and now the founder and faithful leader of a missions organization that reaches out to the world with the Word of God. Alan, today we are pleased to welcome Dr. Luke Post as our special guest. Please introduce him. Uh, It's nice to hear Dr. Luke Post, isn't it, Luke? Uh, We're delighted to have Luke with us today. Luke is a member of our board, of our national board, uh, The Word is Out. And um, he has just uh, recently received his PhD from Asbury Theological Seminary, in which he has been doing a study of the New Testament, Pauline uh, Ethics. Good to have you here for the program. Thanks very much, Alan. Um, I'll just say that it is an undeserved honor and a privilege to serve with you guys on the, the board of The Word is Out. Well, thank you, Luke. At at the last board meeting for The Word is Out, you gave a wonderful devotion on Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Um, Let me read the NIV version. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. First of all, uh, Luke, why did you choose these verses to teach on? Well, I think the reason why uh, the text uh, stands out to me when I'm thinking about the ministry of Twio is that it's talking about teaching, and uh, uh, teaching as a central part of Jesus' life and ministry. And I don't know if we always uh, dwell on Jesus uh, in that light as a teacher, as, a, as uh, something that he took as really a, a fundamental part of the mission that, that he was on in the world while he was here. And so our mission is a teaching mission. The ministry of Twio is, is teaching, and we actually have our roots uh, going right back to Jesus as a teacher. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's uh, we are... We are primarily an educational ministry, training pastors and and church leaders how to best understand God's Word so that they can more effectively teach it. And I think the the reference back to Jesus is a really great one. Um, And the interesting thing is that, you know, in in the ministry of Jesus, Luke, you will agree that... uh, there was there came a time when they were pressing him to to continue his healing ministry. And he definitively said at that point, you know, I've not come uh, for that purpose. I've come to teach, uh, to tell people about the coming kingdom. So uh, he, he prioritized teaching over all other ministries, even his healing ministry. It was by far the most important thing that he did. And that's, of course, what we're attempting to do at the Word of Sight. And Luke, you obviously expanded on that, uh, that whole idea. Uh, take us through the the best way to teach, or Jesus' example in how to teach. It's interesting what Alan brings up about the, the healing ministry and, and Jesus saying at one point, no, I've got to move on. They want him to stay. And he says, no, I'm, I was sent to proclaim. And, and uh, so he moves on. But in this passage, what we have uh, in, in chapter 935 is, is these three, uh, three dimensions of what I believe is a holistic and integrated gospel mission. And uh, Jesus is is proclaiming the kingdom and he's demonstrating it. He's healing every disease and every affliction. And before, before that though, in verse 35, it says he was teaching. And uh, actually this almost verbatim statement is made earlier in Matthew in chapter four, verse 23, where he's teaching, he's proclaiming. 
and he's healing. And uh, what I think it, it points to is that um, Jesus's mission was broader than we sometimes understand. And in, in uh, the way it's sometimes packaged, you might get the idea that uh, the main thing Jesus needed to do was be born and die. And if that had just happened and there had been nothing in between, the world would have been saved and we'd, we'd all be okay. Uh, but Jesus actually had a lot more to do than just be born and die. He, he was proclaiming something. He wanted to announce it, the, the kingdom of God. And, of course, um, he himself was the king and, and bringing God's kingdom with him. And uh, he was uh, demonstrating that kingdom. By, by showing the power of God to heal, to, to drive out demons. He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then you know that the kingdom of God has come upon you. And uh, I believe both of those things are, are um, important pieces of what Jesus was doing, important pieces of gospel ministry that we proclaim. We have a, we have a message. The way I said it at our, our board meetings, we have a message before we have a method. Um, we, we are proclaiming something. There's good news that the world needs to hear. Um, and uh, we're not just uh, trying to do something that's bookish. That's not what our ministry is about, to say, uh, well, let's, let's be smarter. Let's do more fun things with the Bible. Um, what we are about is the gospel message. Um, but in the same way, that gospel message is not just something that people intellectually assent to and say, well, I agree with that. And so now I can go to heaven when I die. I mean, that is the, the message that some people get. But. But when you understand the gospel is bigger than that, and for Jesus, part of his gospel ministry was reaching out to the hurting and demonstrating the power uh, that that was uh, with him by God. In the same way, teaching is an extension of the good news, and uh, the good news is not going to be what it should be. It's not going to be the effective thing God means for it to be unless it's carefully taught to people and jesus understood that and that's why he spent so much time teaching a lot of times you have it or at least some of the time you have it joined um together teaching and preaching that's what he's doing both both for jesus and the apostles in, in the book of acts so you're really pointing out look that um that it's not just it's not adequate to to leave the word as an end in itself but we we need not only be uh readers of the word but doers of the word so to speak um, so it has to be demonstrated. I mean, that's uh, that's crucial, isn't it? Yes, yes. And I think that um, understanding that um, this is God's business. You, know, you can't imagine Jesus just um, just thinking that, well, I like to study, so I'm going to study and then say some things that I've learned. Jesus was moving with God in the world, changing lives, and he thought it was important enough in the midst of that, in his, his very short tenure here in ministry, he thought it was important to spend a substantial amount of that time just teaching people because God was active in that. And um, we talked at the board meeting about how Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, said to the Sadducees once that uh, you err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And uh, I, for a long time, because I was raised in movement that, that really we thought we understood the word, we thought we were correctly using it, but we really weren't. We really detached it from the power of God. And I thought it was okay if I knew the scriptures but didn't know the power of God. And I've come to believe that 
if I know the scriptures, but I don't know the power of God, I'm probably just wasting my time. It's, yeah. it's the work of God that matters and, this, and knowing of the scriptures along with that. And in fact, knowing the scriptures as the power of God um, is very important. So basically, we would say, uh, would we not, that um, that the word lies at the base of of the building that we're seeking to uh, to erect. I mean, everything depends on that. I mean, we obviously the foundation needs to be right. We need to have a solid uh, foundation on which the structure will hold fast. And so I think that's what really what we're about with uh, the word is out. We are we are dealing. You know, interestingly, we're not an evangelistic society per se. Our primary function is to train people to understand God's word, that, that delay the basis so that they're doing it properly and with a good understanding of what God's word is saying. And then it's really up to them as we equip the leaders of the church and pastors in the church to, uh, uh, to proclaim it and to live it out and to have their congregations live it out. So in fact, what we do has a ripple effect across the entire church around the world. You know, by, by virtue of the fact that we are emphasizing this is the basis on which you need to rest your case. But you don't rest your case there. You don't stop. That's simply the basis from which everything else emerges. Right. And, and that is uh, about the fullness of the gospel itself. I think that's what I want to emphasize is that uh, this is not um, this is not just like, OK, well, we've got the gospel and it's nice if you can add teaching on onto that that could be helpful. No, the gospel itself has implications, and uh-huh. and Jesus would not have spent his time joining teaching to proclamation and to demonstration with healing and helping. He would not have spent so much time in that if this was not a, a very important part of the mission itself. Uh-huh. Teaching is an extension of the gospel. It's about the fullness of the gospel taking root uh, in churches and in individuals and spreading across the globe. And that's why with our ministry, we're not asking people— uh, well, do you think inductive Bible study matters? I mean, we hope that we can show that it does, but that's not what we're asking. Uh, we're asking, do you understand that the gospel matters and that the gospel and it's the fullness of its work doesn't happen unless we teach people well? Then you went on to verse 36, which I think is uh, really fascinating. And this was one of the most interesting parts of the devotion uh, to me was— um, what it says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Yes, that's Jesus. And man, if we can only be more like him, how many how many pastors, when they see the crowds, start by having compassion on them? You know, a lot of times what we think is, oh, man, they, that's an opportunity for us. <laughs> but Jesus sees, sees people in need. And that, that starts, uh, that's the, the foundation point for him to reach out in teaching. I think that a lot of times we just don't think of teaching in those terms. And actually, in Mark chapter 6, this is, this is clear. It's the same kind of statement. Jesus sees the crowds there as sheep having no shepherd, and it directly says, uh, and, and so he began to teach them. Uh, it's, it's seeing the need of the people for teaching and having compassion on them. And really, ministry, a uh, teaching ministry in the image of Jesus doesn't, uh, it's not governed by a love of teaching, ideally. Uh, it's governed by a love of people. We see people in need, and we say, God wants to help you, and you need understanding. And, and uh, people are hungry for things. The Christians across the globe, and Alan knows this well because of his work with them, they're hungry for understanding. 
and this is the gift of God to them. And uh, we can start by looking at these people and saying, man, our hearts are moved like Jesus's heart is moved for them. And then we reach out to teach. I love the fact, Luke, that you say that um, they're hungry for for understanding. Because I was about to ask you, you've been a pastor now for quite a number of years. And when you look out at your congregation and you say you have, you have compassion on them. I mean, and, and when we look out at the world, the explosion of Christianity in Africa and Asia and so on, when, when we see the humongous crowds uh, that are gathering uh, for worship and for meetings of all kinds in nature, um, when we talk about having compassion, in, in what sense does that compassion, I mean, how do we define the, the, the compassion? And, and, and we, would, we would define it, I think, in terms of, of the need, which you have quite articulately said. It's, it's that, that hunger for understanding. And, and I feel as I travel uh, throughout the world, I mean, I see that hunger again and again, you know, in congregations and assemblies all across uh, Africa and Asia. People are hungry for understanding and, and what a joy it is for us to be able to equip the leaders then to, to help them get that understanding and to live the kind of lives that, um, uh, that are worthwhile and, and that are, are helpful and useful and, and beneficial both to them and to the church and to society in general. Um, I mean, that's uh, in, in Africa, one, one is constantly faced with all kinds of heretical ideas people are searching it's this it's this hunger for understanding you know and pastors are telling people to do the most bizarre things um you know in order to to receive the gift of god's spirit um and and the people for, because of because of that hunger are longing for for and 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 compliant in doing these things because they trust these church leaders so to be able to say you know no let's let's get to grips with what um what is really needed here uh, so that we can meet the needs of people across uh, across Africa, Asia, and the world. Um, so, uh, thank you. I mean, I, I think that's uh, having compassion f is the very basis of what we're doing. You know, the the word compassion. I think the world might define it differently than how maybe Jesus is hmm. presenting it here. Uh, what does it look like in the world versus in the world maybe today or even back then versus what uh, what Jesus is setting up here. You know, I, I guess when we define love, you know, as you, as you well know in the Greek, there, there are different words that we use for, for love. But human love, um, which would be kind of more um, erotic love perhaps, uh, is self-serving for the most part. Um, the word that scripture uses most frequently when it defines love is, of course, the word agape. And agape basically is a love that is other-centered. It was Michel Quas, the French Roman Catholic priest, uh, who once defined love as leaving oneself and going towards another. And I think outside of scripture, that is the best definition I've ever come across. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's looking after the needs of the other in the first instance. And, and I think, you know, when, when our church leaders and pastors begin to do that, begin to consider the needs of their flock, they, uh, to, to minister to them uh, the, the whole gospel of God, the um, scripture from beginning to end uh, in all its contextual understanding. I think they're beginning to meet the needs of, of our folk. And that, I think, is, is genuinely loving them um, and not holding back, not just tickling their ears as so many television evangelists do today, 
um, you know, just telling people what they want to hear, but in fact, uh, leading them into the whole truth of the, of the amazing, incredible love of God as it is revealed in Jesus Christ. Luke, your thoughts? Well, you know, we have compassion on people because we recognize the needs that they have. A lot of people do know they're hungry for something. You know, I'm sure uh, that Alan has encountered many, many people who know they're hungry, hungry for something. Sometimes, though, here in the United States, uh, uh, we're dealing with a different ball game where people don't think they're they're in need of anything and we have to have a spiritual eyes to see well compassion actually means they need things that they don't they don't even know they need and the word of god always brings those things to light the word of god will highlight uh uh things that we need when we don't know we need them it will meet our needs that we do know we have and we just want to put the word before people and don't you find it fascinating though that even in the united states there is a, a longing for what one might call spirituality which kind of always uh, amuses me. This kind of search for spirituality that so many people are engaged in and, um, and this definition of what spirituality is, is flawed. Um, and, and that's part of the problem. You know, they, what, spirituality is, is, is maybe a sense of feeling uh, um, some degree of, um, of peace within oneself. I, I, I'm not sure what, you know, uh, how they would define it, but I, I think biblically we would want to define in terms of, of that beautiful Hebrew word shalom. You know that word that word carries with it the connotation of uh, of well-being. You know I, I think that's marvelous. So the idea that we would want to, uh, in compassion for people, in long in in wanting to love them and to care for them, we want their greatest shalom, their greatest highest spiritual physical, uh, mental well-being. Um, and so, you know, it is the, spirituality is not something that is apart from, but, but something that is incorporated into the very nature of the human psyche. Um, and, and, and no one can meet that need. Uh, I mean, I, I would go on a, out on a limb and say that that, that need cannot be met and, and the frustration of searching for it um, is such that, uh, that only Christ um, this this God of the universe who created the world, who who brought it into existence, the great creator God who became the great redeemer God, who, who sent his son Jesus Christ for love of, of humankind. If only we could grasp, if only folk could grasp that, then it seems to me that um that they would embrace, they would they would have a sense of this shalom, this greatest possible well being that humans can attain. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that, I mean, Jesus uses that analogy. It's really beautiful. We aren't used to seeing sheep without shepherds, um, but that's the way he saw the people around him, uh, people who are really in trouble. I mean, they they can't fend for themselves, and they're, they're looking for help. They need someone to guide them. And I really think we need eyes to see the world like Jesus saw it. Uh, in some cases, it's probably easier to see the world that way. In some cases... Uh, we're dealing with people who know their deep neediness. In other cases, we're dealing with those who haven't quite seen it yet. Yeah, but it's we're a good surrounded idea. by people. People are in despair. I mean, yeah, it's a good illustration. To... The sheep, the sheep illustration is really a good illustration. Wandering yeah. off the edge of a cliff, so to speak, um, wandering yeah. all over the place, and right. the need for shepherds, and the need. You know, I would say then, in, in keeping with with our objectives, and the word is out. You know, shepherds who know what they're doing. I mean, yeah. when I when I visit churches throughout the world. And listen to pastors preach. I despair at times that they're as lost as the as their congregations. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and to be able to help them find their way, you know, so that yeah. they in turn will be able to to help their congregants find their way. That's what we're about. And, you know, you really don't have to. Uh... If you if you sit here and, and try to theorize about it, it may be hard, but you don't have to struggle with this. You just have to get out and drive on the freeway. <laughs> and you find very quickly people people are in despair. They're controlled by anger. Their lives are stressed out and they are rushed and hurried and their homes are a mess. And people know this to be true. This is the general state of humanity. Um, they are in conflict at work, in conflict at home. Unfortunately, a lot of times in conflict at church, and they don't know what to do about it. Um, and uh, the best advice they're going to get by watching TV, by watching the news programs at night or whatever, that's not going to go very far. Uh, but an understanding of the scriptures and the teaching of, of Christ and the life that's offered there, um, that changes everything. And I think that's where we start with compassion. If we understand what it's like to have that kind of life flowing in us, we look out and we say, hey, Jesus has helped us, and Jesus can help you too. Then verse 37, he says to his disciples, he turns to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And verse 38 then, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It's just, it's interesting that when Jesus uh, gets to the point where he wants to motivate people to do something, he doesn't start by saying, hey, go work harder or start studying or form a committee. Uh, the first thing he says to do is pray and pray earnestly. And uh, that's because ultimately this is all God's. And all mission is God's mission, if you've ever heard that line before. God is already working, and uh, we don't ever start a mission. Uh, God starts a mission, so we pray. We, we, we begin by saying, um, God, we're throwing ourselves into this asking, asking for you to do something. And uh, sometimes it's, it's in prayer where we come to actually see the need. And then we realize God's calling us to do something. And uh, sometimes he's calling us to um, call on others to do something. But as we pray, our heart is getting connected uh, with God's heart. And that's the starting point. That, that, that's where we start believing this is God's. Otherwise, it all, um, it's all just a human enterprise. And I'm not interested in a human enterprise. And there's, there's biblical teaching that's just a human enterprise. Uh, where people just are out there doing their thing because they want to do their thing. But that's not what we're interested in. What we're interested in is God's mission. And uh, that begins with prayer. I find it um, fascinating. The, uh, in the recent uh, election in the United Kingdom, uh, Boris Johnson uh, won the election and, uh, and, and made a promise. He said that... Um, uh, the National Health Service in the United Kingdom was uh, below par and that they were going to put a lot of money into it. But one of the things he said was, we're going to get 50,000 new nurses in our hospitals and our clinics. Uh, and and I was amazed, you know, that, uh, that such a tangible goal was set. Um, 50,000 new nurses. 
uh, throughout England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, and and, and you know, the, back in my mind was this this verse ringing. You know, uh, the labourers are few. It is said that in Africa alone, uh, over twenty thousand people become Christians every single day, um, and there simply aren't enough uh, church leaders. There aren't enough church planters. There aren't enough uh, pastors. There aren't enough teachers to cope with this immense burgeoning growth of the church. Um, So these words ring so true for us today. And if there's a way that we can help meet that need in compassion for the world, uh, that the word of Jesus Christ might be heard and acted upon and lived out, in our world. And if ever the need is, I mean, if ever there is a need for that, surely that need is today. And so, you know, to, to, have, to, to be engaged in the privilege of being able to equip those shepherds to care for the sheep, um, that's what we're trying to do. And, um, um, and, and I think moved by compassion. Alan, I love it that you uh, tied this back to compassion. It seems like that's uh, just a central theme that's emerging here in our conversation in this passage and um one of the reasons we don't pray and i have to grow here myself but we don't pray earnestly when jesus says pray earnestly we don't pray earnestly because our hearts are not moved with compassion Mm. and uh we tend to move our minds towards the things that we actually uh care about and our hearts our hearts are into um and uh for whatever reason, today we we've lost sight of the real need of the world for the gospel and for a true understanding of the word of God, and and uh, of course we care about all kinds of things deeply, but it's a lot easier to have people move with compassion for orphans or for clean water, and our hearts should be moved with compassion for those kind of things. But when when those things are presented to people, they and I've, I've dealt with this when I talk to people about the ministry of the words out, saying, "Well, why why would I give to that when there are orphans out there?" Uh, but we we should never forget that the reason there are people over here now saying, "Let's go help the orphans," is because somebody years ago said, "Let's go preach the gospel, let's go teach the word," yeah. and uh, um, it's a holistic ministry, and uh, uh, we need. The teaching of the word, and we need the proclamation of the gospel, so that uh, the world's true needs are met in every way, and um, so that we have a holistic ministry of compassion. It really matters for people's lives on a daily basis, but it also matters for the orphans. It also matters for clean water. That the gospel is being correctly preached, the word of God is being correctly taught uh, across the world. And um, I would just say one more thing about this. Um, if our hearts are not compassionate for these kinds of things, we can't start by throwing ourselves into prayer because that, that is uh, one of the ways that our hearts are changed is we start praying for things and our hearts are enlarged. And uh, here, if I can just tie this to, uh, to our appeal for people to uh, contribute to this ministry, two of the most fundamental things we do in walking with Christ, life in the kingdom, is we pray and we give. And that actually impacts our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever uh, noticed this before, but when Jesus is talking about not laying up treasures on earth, but laying up treasures in heaven, 
what he says is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's not a descriptive statement. And I think I've read it that way before. Like, oh, if I want to know where my heart is, I should look where my treasure is. But that's not what Jesus is saying there. What it is, is it's an invitation. He says, lay up your treasures in heaven. And that's where your heart will go. And as we put our treasures, as we put our money, and we put our prayers into these things, our heart follows there. And uh, that's one way we send our heart to heaven, in a sense, right now. And if we want a bigger heart, we want a more compassionate heart, we put ourselves into these things in prayer and in giving, and we find our heart becoming more and more like our Savior's heart. Amen to that. Well, you've been listening to The Word Is Out, a podcast on a mission featuring Dr. Alan Meenan. If you'd like to know more about The Word Is Out, visit us online at www.thewordisout.com. You can also keep up to date through our Facebook page. We'll be back with another podcast soon. Mm-hmm.